Welcome to Accessible Theology. We are a podcast that is dedicated to making theology accessible. Now, our goal in that process is that we would know God truly so that we can love God deeply. Uh, We're so thankful that you are here and are taking the time to listen in with us. We are talking through the book of Colossians, uh, and we've just found this book incredibly rich. Well, we decided to to start there on our expositional podcasting journey, uh, and it's just something that we have found. I, I mean, can we say we found extreme joy in this? Is that? I, I hope that's the case, uh, and we're thankful that you uh, are coming along for this journey. Uh, our last episode, we jumped into chapter three of Colossians. We're going to pick up uh, the conversation in verse five of Colossians chapter three. So, I mean, feel free uh, to follow along, open up the Bible, unless you're driving or something. I think I've made that joke a few times now, but uh, if you're, uh, if you're able, have the text in front of you, that might be helpful just so you can refer back as we walk through it. So I'll just, uh, I'll go ahead and read the text and uh, we will get started with our discussion uh, of Colossians chapter three. We'll go verses five to 11. Uh, So it says this, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. That's a passage we will consider today. Michael, uh, maybe you could just go ahead and, I don't know, transition us from our last episode into this portion of text uh, today uh, and get us started in our conversation. Yeah, um, Paul uses the word therefore again in five. He'll do that again in 12. And as we've said before, whenever we see that word therefore, asking the question, what is it therefore, is the classic uh, phrase that we can use to, to think about it's why it's there. Uh, typically, therefore is going to be utilized to, to say what was just stated uh, here's the result or based on what was just said, this is the necessary response of faith and obedience. And coming off of four, where we're told that Christ is our life and that our life is hidden with him, Paul then gets into our earthly nature. So if you remember from the previous section, his emphasis was on um, setting our minds on things above, not on earthly things. And so he continues that theme here by saying, what is in your earthly nature? And it's important to look back and you see stuff like how in, in Colossians 1 and 2, he talks about the earthly deceptive ideologies, these false teachings uh, from the false teachers that are infiltrating the Colossi church. And it seems to, be, to me that what he's doing here is connecting these earthly teachings to the sin nature he already established in chapter two. Because in chapter two, uh, which we talked about maybe three or four episodes uh, back now, he discusses the fact that uh, we have a sin nature, particularly in verse 13. He talks about how Christ, that we have died 
with Christ and the uncircumcision of our sinful nature, and we are now made alive. And so Paul is now saying then that these evil desires that he brings out, things like sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, idolatry, things like this, not only is the wrath of God coming on these for this on the sons of disobedience for them, but these things are still going, they're, the remnants of the flesh, the remnants of our sin nature will still wage war against us. So Paul has this understanding, this is clearly taught in Romans 6 and 7 as well and other places, um, that the Christian, though a new creation, though having a new heart, though indwelt by the Holy Spirit, still has to war against the flesh. Uh, we've talked, about, uh, one of the last times we discussed um, inaugurated eschatology through the V-Day and D-Day theme, right? The idea yeah. that the war is won, but it's still ongoing It's and it will be complete. Well, that there's actually that's actually pictured even in our own personal experience. Um, and there's a guarantee of win of winning, like in Philippians one six, Paul talks about having the confidence that God will complete the work He's began in us. Like that's mm-hmm. that's set in stone, and yet uh, that doesn't eradicate our the necessity of us to actively put it to death. Like when He says to put it to death, mm-hmm. just like He does in Romans uh, six, when He says to no Romans eight, where He says to put to death by the Spirit the deeds of the body. Right. Right. We are we are by the strength of God doing this, and yet we are called to do it. Uh, we must actively seek to put this to death. So yeah, yeah. S- there's an active setting of our minds on heaven. There's an active seeking the things above. And while we're doing that, uh, you can go back to a, an episode from a long time ago. I would encourage <laughs> it's called vivification and mortification. That's we right. unpack how at the exact same time in the Christian life, we are to be living righteously and killing sin. We're, yeah. we're, we're always doing both of those things as long as we're in this earthly tent and awaiting the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's kind of what comes to my mind when I see five, like just to give kind of a framework theologically of how Paul is considering the human condition and calling us to sanctification. Yeah, and and that even, that even connects to... I think something that you mentioned in our last episode about this indicative imperative structure that that Paul often employs, and so it, it, he's got he's got this this idea of this is who you are, uh, and then there's the command: this is how you are to live because of who you are. And so you know we start off this passage right away: put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. That's that's rooted in that's that's founded in what we discussed in the last episode. I mean, just look at look at three one. You've been raised with Christ, or even in three three, you have died. And so, just this this way of looking at the Christian life of uh, because of because of the work of Christ that is applied to our lives when we are hidden in Him. Uh, you know, He is our life. We appear with Him. Those sort of things that we discussed last week. But there is a specific way that we are supposed to live. Uh, there is there's a command given from from Christ in in regards to what is appropriate and what is inappropriate uh, for uh, a Christian to do and to be and to act and all of those sort of things. And so we've kind of got a list of uh, I think yeah mostly mostly things not to do. It's not until twelve that we see what we are to do. Uh, so there are just a lot of a lot of different things here in uh, verse verse five, um, mm-hmm. about what not to do, what is inappropriate, uh, for the Christian. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, would it be helpful maybe just to like give a, a brief definition or do we want to go 
higher level on on some of these sort of things for each of the things listed. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's probably worth it. Well, rather than digging into each each word, what I would just point out is how it, it's interesting how all of these things tend to be taken away from others. Mm. I would rather just highlight that. Like if you look at it, it's sexual morality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, and idolatry. So there's a um, Paul's theme as we move forward, and and you and you see the positives in twelve through seventeen. They're all like self-sacrificial, rooted in Christ's mm-hmm. sacrificial death, and so there's a self-givingness to them. Yeah. But these other ones, I would highlight, um, are ways in which we take from others, we objectify others, we mm-hmm. use others for our own gain. And so, rather than doing kind of a word study, I would yeah. rather just highlight that notion. So, because I think then you can. Paul, it's not like you go, okay, these are the only things to avoid in my life. Sure. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. These are, these are examples, but it's not an exhaustive list. Yeah. And so what I would rather say is that the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience who look to take advantage of other people mm. rather than be a servant, rather than live as Christ lived. And just yeah. as Jesus gave his life for us, just as he um, was shamed for us and though we talked about this before but mm. even though in, in god's perspective he was not shamed he was actually yeah. triumphing yeah. in the same way when a, when a christian is makes themselves a servant and yeah. gives themselves for others that is looked at as the highest good mm-hmm. from god's perspective and so i think paul is helping us reorient this just so think of it this way at the cross Jesus is we talked about naked and bloodied being brutalized and mm-hmm unjustly so he had not he did not deserve this punishment and yet we're told in 15 that it's these very this very thing that in which he's undressing the powers and authorities themselves and triumphing right so in yeah. this death there's triumph then paul says in five that we're to put to death yeah. so there's almost a we're going through this death experience but it's actually this very death experience that's our triumph it's it's dying to ourself having our sinful proclivities um, exposed and mm-hmm. pushed away, right? Because the language here of put to death is interesting when you look at how we're told later to clothe ourselves. The language of right. put to death is is about unclothing ourselves, uh, which he explicitly talks about when he talks about putting on, putting off, that language. So it's as though just as Jesus was undressed, but was really undressing his foes, yeah. at the same time as we're undressing our sin, as we're taking off, we're actually not shamed by that. Because the righteousness that we instantly put back on is our clothing and is our garb. Yeah. So there's this picture, I think, that our lives of sanctification and putting to death our sin actually has a correspondence to the very motif he said is true of Christ at the cross, which mm-hmm. I think is a very powerful image for us to think about so that we don't so that we understand we're not losing when we fight off sin. Yeah. We're yeah. actively conquering, we're winning, right? Right. Yeah, that's helpful. And, and even like, I guess my, like my tendency in, in reading a list like this, or even what we go on to see in verse eight would be kind of, kind of just to like become legalistic about it and, and to say like, okay, as long as I can be sexually moral, as long as I'm not impure, as long as I can be pure, as long as I, you know, don't covet those sort of things, then Mm -hmm. I'm good. Um, but, but that's, I mean, I don't know, that's maybe even deeper than merely legalism, uh, because I think there's this idea, uh, that exists, 
commonly, probably, maybe it's more than just in my life, but like we think of the old nature as something that, that needs to be reformed. It needs to be made better, which is not the case at all. <laughs> right. So the, the old nature doesn't need to be made better. It needs put to death. Yeah. And, and I think exactly what you're saying, just to think of it in terms of the, the, the model of Christ and going to the crucifixion and all of that, as you were talking, um, Philippians two came to mind. Um, and I just, I mean, the more, the more I think about that passage, the more I'm like, man, if, if we could just like, if we could grasp that, I mean, we, we'd be, we'd be good. Like the idea of, um, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Uh, he empties himself taking on the form of a servant, uh, and, and is doing this so that he is, um, putting the needs of others before himself. And, and if we could, if we could live according to that, uh, I think we would all be more faithful, obviously, but also it, it's something that is like, it's one of those passages that just has so many far reaching implications. Something I think we even see here, at least what you were saying reminded me of that passage, uh, to think of it in terms of these things that, that are bringing about the wrath of God are coming because of the interactions that we have with one another where I'm elevating myself. You know, I'm living according to my passions and putting those as the, as the most important thing. Uh, so I, yeah, I just appreciate how you articulated that to say yeah. it's, it's not merely a list. Like it's something mm-hmm. that we need to be able to, to actually put to death the old man uh, among yeah. us. Yeah. And you get the Paul, you get the realism of Paul here too. He, the, he doesn't say that the, the, he does use language of changing clothes, but it's not, but he actually adds the element of, no, you actually need, this is going to be like slaying a dragon. Mm. This is, it, it's not just as easy as changing clothes. And I hope like all of us who have spent any time in the Christian life trying to fight off sin, we know this isn't like changing clothes only. Right. This is a. This can be brutal. The, the our sin nature is potent, um, and Paul is not being unrealistic. And as we move forward, then in that passage, what we see in uh, in six and seven is you you see how close this relates to the book of Ephesians. We talked about this very briefly, but Ephesians and Coloss- Colossians are very similar books. Colossians mm-hmm. is more culturally specific to uh, to that that church. Ephesians is more of a broad letter. There aren't tons of sp- specific um, church examples of people talk about just being a circular letter given, mm-hmm. but they were written about the same time. And the reason I mention that is like, I just want to read the words of Ephesians and really briefly and see how close they are. Because in, a, in Ephesians, we're told, you know, we're dead. You were, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you used to walk when you conformed to the ways of this world and to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit who is now at work in the sons of disobedience. All of us who lived among them at one time, fulfilling the cur- cravings of our flesh and indulgence, desires and thoughts like the rest, we were by nature children of wrath. So you have that. And then when you come to Colossians three, you have. Um, because of these, the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience. When you lived among them, you also used to walk in these ways, but now you must put aside all such things as these anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Mm. So you see very similar themes, but what Paul, what Paul keeps between both of these letters that is uh, very important for a right view of our Christian thinking 
is that it is good to remember that you were also a sinner. <laughs> it it yeah. is a balm for your soul, actually. It brings humility. Paul regularly does this even in his own personal example. I think of in First Timothy, he says, I'm the foremost of sinners. In Philippians <laughs> 3, he said, I was the most Pharisee of Pharisees, and it was worthless. Like, So Paul kind of sets a personal example, but then here he gives a broad charge to all of us to just think back and remember that we all were awful yeah. apart from Christ. We, we all, and it, all of us, if you're a Christian, it's because of the work Jesus did for you. And it's because while you were still an enemy of his, he loved you and gave himself for you. That's the only reason you stand before God holy. So when you are putting your sin to death, if you're further along in killing your flesh than some than another Christian, that's not a that's not time for you to boast over them. That's time for you to rejoice and encourage them that if there is if you are degrees of glory further along if you will, it's a reminder that this long war is only made possible by the finished work of Christ to which we constantly remind ourselves of. So there's this, I, I love how Paul just reminds us that we, we lived among them. Yeah. And that even calibrates not just how you interact with other Christians, but how you talk with non-believers, right. how you talk with those who don't know Jesus. This should actually bring a humility, not a, a, a view of superiority towards them that, oh, wow, I'm so much better. I've, I have left that behind. Yeah. Um, it remind like you can actually relate because even in your current experience as a Christian, you're still fighting against this savage beast that is your sin nature until the day you die. Yeah. And that should actually give us a compassion and a mm-hmm. love and a concern. Uh, and one that actually shows itself in, um, a humility, like, and, and not just acting humble, but this should actually make us humble. We should be humbled yeah. by how how difficult sin is to fight against. Yeah. So, so if we've, I guess, my question then is, like, if we follow the logic of the text, um, when we come to verse eleven, is that kind of what it's speaking about? That this is this is a common experience. It doesn't matter, you know, ethnicity. It doesn't matter uh, outward sign if you're part of the covenant community not part of the covenant community old covenant um barbarian scythian slave does, like social status whatever it doesn't matter um this is a common experience to all and when we are brought to life in christ uh, we all had that that old self that needed to be killed but now in christ we are all brought to life and called to live in this way is that I don't know. Is that maybe a little bit of what's going on in verse 11? I'm sure there's more to it, but yeah, it's part of it. I think 11's main emphasis, uh, and we can talk about that. We'll, we'll have to talk about this more, but I think the main emphasis of 11 is not necessarily that we all were in the same spot. It's that we all are in the same spot now in Christ. Okay. okay. So, I mean, yes, we all have different backgrounds and yes, we are all sinners. And so there isn't a sense of superiority, but I think Paul is emphasizing more in 11, in Christ, uh, we we find a shared identity, we find a shared community, and we stand on an equal level. Uh, kind of like how uh, Peter talks about uh, when he when he says, you know, even as an apostle, he says to those who have obtained equal standing in Christ. Right? Like there's yeah, this yeah. reality that all of us are on the same plane 
because we are all in Christ. So there's not levels of within Christianity. I think that's more Paul's thought in 11, but, sure. but he's definitely in seven. It's very clear. That's what he's doing too. He's reminding us that it doesn't matter where you're coming from in this. Like we've all, we've all had these evil desires, whether we were a Jewish person who had the law or a Gentile who didn't, yeah. This was our past. This is our biography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's good. So uh, is there anything else we would need to talk about between those? Uh, nine, eight, nine, ten. Um, I'm just looking at our time. We're we're approaching what, the aim yeah. of <laughs> our yeah. episode, seeing, you know, if there's something that would be helpful. Anything else you think? Um, I would just highlight in nine that we've taken off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed mm. in the knowledge in the image of its creator. That's, that's such a powerful phrase that um, this is something that uh, Herman Bobbing talks about a lot that um, when he talks about sin or like having being made in the image of God, he says that there's both a broad and a narrow way in which we can conceive of the image. And what he means by that is there's a sense in which um, very broadly speaking, no one's lost the image of God, right? It's not like the image is so defaced that we can, that a non-believer, we could look at them and say, well, you're not in the image of God. Because if we could say that we'd have, that have massive implications on things like abortion and other conversations. Like there, are, there's yeah. a lot of downstream ethicals, but, the, but then, just importantly, like all human life is sacred. We're all made in the image of God. But there's a narrow sense in which Bobbing talks about that the image is certainly defaced or deeply affected by sin in the sense that um, he, he uses the illustration. It'd be like it's like a human who's born maybe without a leg or if a human breaks their leg over time, you'd have to say that they're not experiencing the full capacity, the full richness that God would have intended for that. And yet we wouldn't say because they don't have a leg or because they broke their leg mm -hmm. that they're not a human, right? So there's so th there's kind of a good illustration when we think about just having d a damaged limb or something like that, that that comports well with understanding this. And the reason I mentioned that is that that's what I think Paul is getting at here when he talks about this new self being renewed in knowledge to the image. In other words, there there's a sense in which our sin nature has led to broken, broken image. Like, a, yeah. like we've, we've wrecked ourselves in our sin and there are, there are all kinds of effects. Paul's named them all with the anger and the malice, the rage or the sexual, all these ways in which we're just not living. God created us to love God and love our neighbor. And instead we hate him and we hate our neighbor. We do the exact yeah. opposite of what he's called us to do. Yeah. But what happens is when we put on this new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, our knowledge meaning not just that Christians are esoteric, you know, abstract thinkers and we don't actively practice it, but this knowledge of our sin, this knowledge that we are made new in Christ begins to recalibrate our broken thinking mm -hmm. and begins to transform our minds to, to borrow from Romans 12 so that we can approve of what is pleasing to God. And then also that we become these living sacrifices to continue to borrow from Romans 12. That's what Paul, I think, is getting here. So when we talk about being renewed to the image, it's not that we aren't in the image necessarily okay. in the sense that we're no, like all of us are not in the image and then we become back in the image. Rather, the image is distorted. The picture has been blurred. Yeah. But in Christ, it's being restored. The clarity is being brought back. Yeah. And there's a sense in which this is what C.S. Lewis talks about in that 
um, there's a sense in which we become more fully human in Christ. Mm. Not that we not that we aren't human and become human, but that the the fullness, the richness, the capacity that God has given us, we begin to tap into that as we grow in sanctification. I think that's Paul's theme here that he's building on. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just note that I'm, I'm proud of you for saying all of that without saying grace restores nature. That was, that was <laughs> it, really was <laughs> it was hard. <laughs> that was good. But, uh, that's, uh, yeah. And I think, so we're coming to the close of this episode and I was thinking about the, uh, our sign off that we say every time, uh, love God, no truth and live accordingly. I think, uh, a lot of where that comes from is this idea that <clears throat> as we're being renewed in this image, where our love for God is going to increase. And as our love for God increases, um, we're going to come to a deeper understanding of the truth. And that truth is going to then affect the way we live. And so that's, I mean, just as a, a sum up of, of what we're trying to get at here, <laughs> we want you to love God, know truth and live accordingly. Uh, that's, that's, you know, our desire for ourselves. And, and as we discuss scripture, that, that is what we hope it will do in, in your life empowered by the spirit and, and, and all of that. But, you know, it's just something that we, we are fully convinced that, uh, as our love for God increases, as we come to know his truth at a deeper level, we're going to live differently. And that's a lot of what Paul is talking about in this chapter. So hopefully this is helpful to you as a follower of Christ in in living according to uh, how he commands us to live. We'd really appreciate if you would uh, share this episode. Uh, we would love for others to be uh, to, to be able to benefit from this as well. We're just thankful again that you would take the time to listen. And as always, until next time, we want to charge you to love God, know truth, and live accordingly.